Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. You're going to love this week's episode. It's about two things really close to my heart, kindness and music. I lost count the amount of times I went to Mass on the Camino. I actually felt really quite greedy getting the amount of blessings that I had, you know, from priests, monks, nuns. <laughs> I really surprised myself that the, the religious part of me uh, came to the fore again. For me, it was another gift. That's this week's guest, Amanda Chisholm. And the best news, Amanda wrote the most incredible Camino song, and you're going to hear it in the second half of the podcast. So tighten the belts on your backpack, slip on your well-worn shoes, and let's head off together into the emerging light to our journey together. As you know, I'm a musician. Pre-COVID, I was playing about 80 shows a year, so seven a month or something like that. And then COVID hit, and I was actually touring my new album in the United States, staying with Andy Holloway at his magic home, Kingfisher House on Whidbey Island off the coast of Seattle. When talking to my wife, she said, sorry, you're going to have to come home. So I was on the last flight out of Los Angeles to Australia. And the world has changed in so many ways since. I was talking to someone this week, a father who has two children under 10. He's a very, very busy, successful businessman. Prior to COVID, he told me, He'd sometimes go a few days without seeing his son and daughter. He'd arrive home after they'd gone to bed and be gone by the time they woke up. Then COVID hit and he was working from home. He spent all day and all night with the children and he loved it. He said it changed his life, his world, his everything. I guess it's true of all of us. It's changed our lives, our world, our everything. One thing that has kept me sane was music sitting in the backyard playing guitar, learning songs, writing songs, doing gigs via computer, which was totally bizarre, but I loved it, reaching audiences in an entirely new way. I guess like my friend, the father of two, I've learned to take the positives from the negatives. In other words, welcome the blessing. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. El Camino is a pilgrimage. You walk to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in the cathedral in the main square in the city bearing his name, Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. Millions of pilgrims have walked the various paths of the Camino for more than 1,100 years. Indeed, it's said pagans walked what would later become the Camino well before that, perhaps even thousands of years ago. Parts of the Camino Via de la Plata are Roman roads. So a lot of souls have shuffled to the shrine of the saint, hoping, praying and believing they will be welcomed and blessed by the saint. Leopold Stowowski was an English conductor. He conducted the Disney classic Fantasia. He said, a painter paints pictures on canvas, but musicians paint their pictures on silence. Let's get to this week's episode. I saw a picture of Amanda Chisholm on the Camino, a smiling face, backpack, the world at her feet, and I thought to myself, I need to speak to this pilgrim. Amanda's on the line. Welcome, pilgrim. Hello, Dan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a, it's a delight, really, because we're going to play your beautiful song <laughs> in a minute. But tell us a bit about yourself. I spent two weeks in Glasgow for the Commonwealth Games in 2014. I absolutely loved it. The Scottish are lovely people. What's life like for you? Where are you and what do you do? Well, I live um, in the northeast, right on the coast, um, basically in between Inverness and Aberdeen, which are two large cities. Um, so but we're fair, fairly rural here, um, but literally right on the coast. I don't only just live here, but I work here as well because I'm a harbour master at the oh. local marina. Oh, wow. 
harbour master. <laughs> I've never met a harbour master. There you are. What a great job. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I do I do really enjoy my work. I meet lots of different people every day and, uh, yeah, no two days are the same. So no two days with the weather are the same here either in the north of Scotland, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. The Scots are renowned for their resilience, their toughness. And you had a bit of a reputation on the Camino for being tough. I did, yes. Um, I got injured. Um, I uh, had uh, quite a nasty fall and uh, badly sprained my ankle. I actually thought it was broken. And um, maybe somebody else might have done the wise thing and rested for a few days. Uh, but I made a makeshift hammock for my ankle with the disposable pillowcase and strapped it up in my bunk. And um, I decided to carry on for the next few days. And on the third day, um, my uh, my opposing leg just gave way underneath me. I was devastated. Just just thought it, it was the end of the the Camino. I couldn't put any weight on my leg, so I uh, ended up having to get in a taxi, which uh, I was mortified. Uh, Twenty kilometres to the nearest doctors. I was told to rest, and if it wasn't any better, I basically had to go home. So I rested for a couple of extra days and uh, decided that I wasn't going home. (laughs) So I jumped back in a taxi and went back the 20 kilometres to where I'd collapsed a few days before. And I started again. So um, I basically had a Camino in in two parts, sort of pre-injury and then, well, just injury, because it wasn't post-injury. Uh, so I was I was uh, well-known on the Camino for hobbling, struggling along. People were stopping me saying, oh, uh, you're the strong Scottish. You're, um, you're, you're quite famous on this part because you keep smiling, but you just keep going on. And every time uh, I would maybe eventually catch up with other people who'd seen me earlier, the look of surprise on their, their faces that I was still going, you know, <laughs> Um, I, I just uh, was so determined just to keep going until until the Camino really did tell me to stop. So how did the Camino come into your life? I'm sure you, you've heard this many times before, <laughs> but um, a friend uh, was round one night and said, oh, have you ever seen a film called The Way? Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I watched the film and of course I was, I was captivated by it. The, the next day I, I, I caught myself googling how long does it take to walk the Camino de Santiago <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it was it, um, initially it, it was uh, through that through that wonderful that wonderful film you know um, I, it just touched me so deeply so I, I, I did my googling um, I uh, was doing a bit of reading uh, joined a couple of forums but when I saw it was going to take about six weeks I thought oh, I, I can't do that I, I can't leave my work for for six weeks so um, I sort of put it to the back of my mind, really. But then I realized that, you know, just occasionally I would go get back to Google yeah. <laughs> and uh, have a, a wee peek on those forums. Um, uh, I bought a, a book. The, uh, it was the one called I'm Off Then oh, yeah. uh, by the, the, um, the gentleman in Germany. And so it gradually sort of came back into my life. The, the funny story was um, a friend of mine was trying to get me to go to New Zealand for uh, six weeks and I was actually driving him to the airport as he was heading off to New Zealand and uh, he was away for about maybe about three months 
And when he came back, I was picking him up from the from the airport. And of course, I'd been looking into New Zealand and it obviously I thought, oh, hang on, six weeks. So if I can go to New Zealand for six weeks, actually, I think I could do the Camino instead. <laughs> so when my friend returned from New Zealand, he was so excited about me going back with him. And, and I just blurted out, I'm off to do the Camino de Santiago. <laughs> ah. um, and uh, spoke, spoke to my, my, my work. They were fantastic. They basically said, so long as you promise to come back, you know, just go for it. They were amazing, really supportive. So, uh, Great. so, so that was it. I oh. may have started making my plan, but of course then COVID happened. So my plan didn't go quite as uh, smoothly as we thought, but I got there eventually. How wonderful. Because you'd done all this research, Amanda, how did the Camino you experienced compare with your expectations? It was completely different. <laughs> oh. It was better. <laughs> um, it was more real. I think that when I was following the forums, um, you know, watching films, documentaries, I was drawn to it, obviously. I, I, I didn't know what it was that I had this incredible pull to the path. But when I was actually there experiencing it, it was even more magical uh, than I would have expected. It was uh, harder than I expected because I do a lot of hiking anyway, I'm always up a hill or a mountain. Um, it was harder physically and mentally than I expected. But yeah, I think I maybe had a fairy tale in my mind with the planning. And, and as soon as I arrived, yeah, reality set in. But it, in a good way, it was busier than I thought it would be at the beginning. Um, so uh, I think I didn't really settle into my Camino maybe until about the second week, I'd say. Yeah, right. When I found my own my own rhythm again, physically and also mentally. Did you walk alone? I arrived alone and I intended, to, I thought I was going to do the whole thing alone. Yeah. But as you know, you meet your Camino family or families as, as I did. So I, I met a, a great bunch of pilgrims at the beginning in uh, Saint-Jean and uh, Orison. But I, I realised after about three days that this maybe wasn't the Camino I was wanting. I, I as much as I was enjoying the company and we're all there to help each other, I wanted to escape the crowd a bit. So I kind of sort of forged ahead. And then, of course, getting injured, then they ended up take, overtaking me. Oh, right. <laughs> and then maybe they got injured and then maybe I overtook them. So we learned never to say goodbye on the Camino because you're going to meet up <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, every other week. And, and people you would never expect to see again when you got to Santiago because I was so far behind. Of course, people had then gone to the coast and back. So I was meeting up with them again. So, so yes, although I was alone, um, I'd say maybe 35% of the time I was walking uh, with uh, maybe just one person or a small crowd or whatever, mm, yeah. or maybe different people uh, throughout the day. But the majority of the time I was on my own, and that was important to me. That was why I, I needed to go. But um, it wasn't as much as a as a of a solo journey as I would have thought it was going to be. Sure, but that sure. was a that was a that was a good thing for me though. That was good. What did you make of meeting people from all around the world? Oh, it's just a gift. <laughs> yeah, an, an absolute gift. Yeah. You know, all uh, different nationalities. Um, uh, we all had uh, diff different expectations, uh, different reasons for being there, different age groups, uh, 
you know, it, it was it was it was just such a a wonderful experience. Like I say, it was it was a gift. Yeah. A real gift. And I think sometimes we have like preconceived ideas about, you know, different nationalities. Like maybe they thought I might be a wee bit frugal, a bit stingy, <laughs> being Scottish. <laughs> um, so, but uh, but no, no, you know, I put my hand in my pocket. So, <laughs> so, so that, that, was, um, that was, yeah. So um, you're all stripped bare really on the Camino, aren't you? And you realise, we realise that we're all the same. Yeah. We're all different, but we're all the same. And uh, regardless of, uh, of of where we come from, our age, uh, our our sex, whatever, we're, we're all the same. And especially pilgrims are all the same, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself on the Camino? Oh, about myself. <laughs> uh, well, one of the main reasons I wanted to do the Camino was to. Uh, like I said, to be by myself, to get that headspace, but to, to get to know myself again, uh, so which I did. <laughs> so, um, yes, I, I, I definitely learned that I was stronger, like I said. I learned that uh, before I've never been very good at accepting help. Mm. I, I love helping others. I'm, uh, it, it's what's what we are. It's what we do, isn't it? As human beings, you know, our instinct is to help others. But I'm not very good at accepting help. And I had to accept help. <laughs> you know, when I when I got injured, um, uh, I just, uh, yeah, it just just filled my heart just to to think of what people were doing for me when they saw that I was in so much pain. I I was um, devastated when I I thought my Camino was over. But like I said, the, the encouragement, um, you know, the uh, just to be there, like. In a, in a supportive manner, not just, you know, doing anything physically. Mm. Before I would have really struggled to have accept that. But uh, but I learned that I can accept it. And I did. Yeah. And I also learned to drown out the noise. Um, I'm not good in crowds and uh, or in a lot of noise. And I learned that uh, as patient as I always think that I am, uh, when I was approaching Saria, it started to get very busy as you know, mm. and very noisy. I kept trying to to dodge the noise. Um, if I could hear 30, 40 people behind me, I'd, I'd stand still, let them pass, I'd carry on. But of course, then another group would come behind me, I'd stand still, let them pass, carry on. And I, I started to get a little bit impatient. And then I got annoyed at myself for getting impatient. It's like, that's not very pilgrim-like, Amanda. <laughs> I took a deep breath and then I just got it. I thought, I've, I can't do anything about this. You know, there is a title to be here as, as anyone who started back in France or wherever. We're all here for the same purpose. I've just got to learn how to drown out the noise, really. And I did. Um, I, after about the, the third day, um, I, I realized that it just wasn't affecting me at all. Um, uh, and and uh, I just embraced it. So I've taken that lesson home, learn how to drown out the noise. <laughs> right. Well, that, what a wonderful lesson to learn too. Well, at that stage of the Camino as well, I think I'd learned so many lessons. Not that I ever thought that I'd learned all the lessons I needed to because um, I've obviously got many more to learn in life. But for the Camino, I wondered if, if um, that was me. You know, I've got what I was hoping to out of the Camino. I hope I've given back into the Camino as much as I wanted to give back. 
And then this happened at Saria. And it was just a reminder that, you know, your, your lessons are never over. There's always another lesson to learn. So that was mine. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. What surprised you about the Camino? That as soon as I got to Saint-Jean, I went to Mass. <laughs> I found myself in the church at the end of uh, Rue de la uh, Citadelle and uh, I was at Mass and I have, I'm Catholic. Not a very good one, but I am Catholic. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't been to Mass for really decades. Um, and there I was. I was just drawn to it. I sat there. Um, I, uh, I, I prayed. Um, I re- received a blessing. And I lost count the amount of times I went to Mass on the Camino. I actually felt really quite greedy getting the amount of blessings that I had, you know, from priests, monks, nuns. <laughs> I really surprised myself that the the religious part of me uh, came to the fore again. And, and again, for me, it was another gift. And I made a promise to myself I I, I wouldn't come back and forget that. You know, I, I feel it's important that I do talk about that because otherwise I'd feel I'd hide, you know, hide behind um, the doubters kind of thing. Um, not that I am religious as such, but I, I was just drawn to it very much, and I was, I was very grateful. Mm. And when I got injured as well, uh, I didn't pray initially because um, I felt I just, I just felt that there are bigger things going on in the world, and and I knew that one day I'd feel better. And there are people who have the pain that I had every day, every minute of every day. They're, that's how they have to live. And I had to keep thinking, I'm so grateful. This is just temporary. But then one day, um, one of the pilgrims said, you got to pray. <laughs> you were in so much pain. <laughs> you know, you know, you've got to pray, you know. So, so I did. Um, I, I, I did pray <laughs> and I prayed to the universe as well. And uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a great story. That's a great surprise too, isn't it? It's a wonderful it, thing, it, completely it, it unexpected. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you find yourself then towards the end praying as you walked? Uh, I wouldn't say I was praying as I walked, but um, yeah. gratitude was was there every step. Uh, I think I said earlier that my Camino was really in, in two parts and uh, and that second part, that was just it was just a completely different experience for me. I thought I would be going for more sort of spiritual reasons. And it's pleasantly surprised me <laughs> that when um, I was at the pilgrim's office in Santiago and, and they ask you what was the reason uh, for, for your pilgrimage and, and I said religious. So <laughs> There you are. There you are. You answered yeah. your own question. So here you are uh, back in northern Scotland. You are a harbour master. Um, I imagine that's a very demanding job. But how does the Camino bubble to the surface in your day-to-day life now? I did struggle a wee bit. Um, as, as everyone says, you know, the, the Camino, your Camino really starts after the walk. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, was, I was a wee bit scared coming home. I thought, am I going to be able to keep on to this? I have uh, found myself sort of slipping into old habits, old you know, maybe about to respond to a situation which I would have maybe, how I would have done before the Camino. But I have to say that very quickly, my mind switches into Camino mode. <laughs> and although I'm, I may be like slipping out of the way, 
the Camino then uh, slides me right back in again. And it's it's taught me just to remember that um, I, I am stronger than I ever thought that I, that I was. I have belief in myself and I just take a deep breath and a lot calmer, I think, in some sometimes very uh, stressful situations, but uh, maybe not stressful, but in a full-on situation. So rather than maybe uh, reacting from the hip, I sort of react more now from from the mind mm. and uh, from from my uh, my inner being, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the reasons why we're talking is because um, you sent me your song, and <laughs> tell us about the forty elephants. Uh, the forty elephants. Uh, that's the name of uh, our wee band. Um, we're, we're just a fun band. Uh, we, we play some gigs and we have fun and. We hope everyone else has fun as well. There's uh, now seven of us, and we're quite an, an eclectic uh, band. We we play um, some country, um, some folk music, um, some indie, some punk. You know, just a little bit of everything. But it all has the sort of we call it um, the elephant, the elephant vibe. Um, <laughs> we put our own spin on it. Spin on it. I've I've written a few songs for the elephants, but they tend to be sort of dancey fun, you know, boppy songs, you know, ones that you, you like to get up to at the end of the night. But then, yeah, then I wrote this song, <laughs> which yeah. is a completely different vibe. I brought it to the band and, you know, we all put our sort of spin on on the uh, the melody, but we still managed to keep it quite quite stripped back, you know, so it was a very, it's a very like honest song. Uh, it's not too busy, you know, it's, uh, I wanted to have that sort of nice uh, walking pace to it. Yeah, so although it's got the the elephant spin on it, it it's uh, and it's maybe a different vibe to what we usually do. Um, it, it's still got the sort of elephant feel. <laughs> Let's hear it. The way by Forty Elephants. Your own line. 
feel-good song about following your own way in life, even if it means going in a direction not expected. So tell us about the writing of the song. Amanda, did it bubble to the surface? Were you, were you always going to write a song or did one day you just start thinking about it and away it went? Tell us about the story of writing the way. Well, I, whenever I talk about when I wrote the way, I, I always, I can put myself right back to the exact spot where I was. Um, I was at home. Uh, like I said, I, I, I live right on, on the, the seafront and uh, I was at my window drinking a cup of coffee <laughs> and this was uh, just before COVID came into our lives and there was a lot of uh, false news, fake news going around at the time, you know, on the yeah. news and in the, the papers and everything and I was just feeling a little bit blue with uh, the way things were going and uh, and, you know, gossiping and things like that and um I was just sitting out looking out out the window at the sea and uh and suddenly this really calm feeling came over me I just suddenly had this um it's like a blanket of reassurance just came over me because I knew that that I'm going to follow my own way in my life um I'm going to do things which are and now now I've got to this stage I'm, I'm going to follow my own way do things which are important to me and sometimes it may mean that I I have to leave those that I love because I'm going in a different direction because maybe it's not their path and and as this was going through my mind and of course I I knew I had the Camino well I thought I had the Camino coming up later that year of course that had to get cancelled and so all this was going through my mind about how up until maybe a few years ago, I'd always walked in other people's shoes, um, saw things from, from their perspective, but now it's time to walk in, in my shoes. And I, I didn't want that to come across as sounding selfish, but it was just, this is our life. We have to walk in our own shoes at times. We have to do what's right for us. And so this this song just, just came to me very quickly, uh, the first two verses anyway, and the chorus. And I, I just knew I, I just had to write it down hoping to get across that, okay, I, I know I had the Camino in my mind as well, but it's not just about the Camino. It was in life in general. I'd actually been uh, seriously ill uh, like five years previous, you see. I had um, ovarian cancer. Oh. I was just coming up to, well, hopefully my, my five years um, with no recurrence, which is like the golden time. So initially, that had been also one of the reasons why I wanted to do the Camino, to uh, start a new chapter in my life. And because this had happened to me as well, I think that's also why it was more important to me to, to reassess my life and think that as human beings, at times, as, as, 
as maybe as hurtful as it may be, or those who love us so much maybe don't understand it, but we, we do have to go our own way at times. And that's where the idea came from. I had to call it the way. Of course I did. <laughs> wow. Wow, what a story. That's amazing. So I have, <laughs> I have to ask the question, are you in the clear? Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yes, um, yes, thankfully. Um, and that actually then turned out not to be the reason why I did the Camino because, because it was cancelled and then I had to wait another year as the time was approaching for me to then uh, go on the Camino on my second attempt, I realized I didn't need to go for that reason anymore. I'd already passed that. I'd already started a new chapter. So I actually then started panicking, thinking, do I still really need to go to the Camino? Am I still pulled to it? So it, it, I had to go away for a few days and think about it. And then, and of course, then it said, no, I, am, I still very much feel this strong pull. I don't know why, um, but it, it is calling me. It's pulling me. And uh, and I realized that I had to go because we wear so many hats every day, you know, as a, whether a, like a mother, or a sister, or a, a boss, you know, a friend. We wear so many hats and I thought I need to do the Camino to take off all the hats and just be me, just just for a while, be me and try and remember who I am again. That's such a great answer. Wow, what a great story. Did you sing as you walked? Because I sing when I walk. Like uh, I'll be on the middle of nowhere and I just start singing because I I just love the rhythm of my feet. Did you sing when you walked? Oh, that that sounds wonderful. No, I didn't. And even when I was in the hostels and the people got the guitar out and were singing, I was very quiet. I I just let everybody, I was just enjoying listening to everybody else. Um, and I, I only really said to a few people about my song, I just said, you know, if you are interested, you know, if you would like to listen. And then as the the days turn into weeks, I was, you know, meeting uh, the people or meet, meeting people I'd met earlier, catching up with them. And they were, your song was being played in the hostel or uh, one lovely, one lovely lady I met. I was help, I helped her out one day and um, we met up again a couple of days later and uh, we really, really clicked. And at the end of the Camino, she found out that I'd written a song called The Way and, and she, she saw me in Santiago and she was just beside herself. She said, I downloaded that song before I came on the Camino. I've been listening to you and I didn't know it was you that I was with me walking with. <laughs> oh, no, so, that is um, great. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. And then when I got to Santiago, um, it happened again. A, a, a group of pilgrims who I'd met individually were all sitting together because it turned out they all knew each other. And then I walked by and, and of course, it turned out that I, I knew the whole group. And uh, they were like, we're just speaking about your song and it's being played in Switzerland at the moment. And yesterday it was being played in in um, in uh, Mexico and, and, and all this was coming up and... And it was it was just so wonderful to hear because um, yeah. one of them said, "I'm so glad that I've been able to see you to your face to tell you because the words um, resonate so deeply with me." And she said, "With someone else that she knew, and that meant so much, you know that that um, the words had that that connection with them." Oh, that's a blessing, <laughs> isn't it? That's just a, such a blessing. Yeah. It, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it yeah. is. So yeah. I, one of my questions was, did you find other musicians on the Camino? And you've, you've clearly answered that. But tell me about the Spanish music. Did you like the Spanish music? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so it just... Um, yeah, it just I, I just uh, loved being in, immersed in the whole culture, yeah. um, just every everything about it. It just uh, it's very very difficult to leave like, to to come home, but uh, everyone just makes you feel so so welcome. Like the, the whole history of, of the whole uh, the pilgrimage, the Camino. You can see that to so many of them, they're just so proud that um, that this will this continues and it will continue for for hundreds and hundreds more years. Mm. And uh, to be part of that was, again, it was just, just so magical. One lovely moment, I was walking through Cobble Dairy of uh, Los Arcos and there was a young mother and she she sort of uh, bent down to her young son and pointed at me and she went, Peregrina, Peregrina. And, uh, oh, I just, uh, you know, that was her obviously um, teaching her son about who these mad people were <laughs> walking through the village <laughs> with their, their rucksack. One, one minute crying, one minute laughing. Oh, well, it, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. so yeah. And uh, for me then to think, yes, I am. I'm a peregriner. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a wonderful moment to to sort of see generations of the Spanish endorsing and and welcoming the peregriner. Mm-hmm. How fabulous! Tell us about walking into Santiago de Compostela. Oh, I uh, decided to arrive quite early. I actually stayed the night before. I only stayed about, oh gosh, it was less than 10 kilometers away. So it didn't take me long to walk in in the morning. I, I saw the cathedral in the distance as I was going through the like the little winding streets. And I decided to start uh, recording a little video for, for my friends and family. And uh, so I was showing them uh, the, the cathedral as I was hobbling towards it. Of course, they didn't know I had been that injured. They would have just worried. So... Um, so I didn't say anything about that. So so I was able to capture that moment as I just spotted the cathedral in the distance just to say, there, there she is. I, I can't believe that I'm I'm almost there, you know, and just I just thanked everybody for their support and their love and and just how much it's, it's meant to me. And I think because I had been in so much pain and there were so many times I didn't know if I'd, you know, make it another day. And to suddenly, I could just see it, and and I was I was almost there. So um, oh wow, I'm uh, I'm just walking down the cobbled street, and uh, there's the cathedral. My gosh, um, I'm going to be there in about five minutes. Um, I just can't, I can't believe I can't I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh wow, um, I can't believe I'm here. Thank you all for your kind comments and support over this last um, wee while. Thank you so much. This um, has meant so much to me. I'll catch you in five minutes because I'm now crying. <laughs> but there she is. No, oh, okay. It was just an incredible moment for me. And um, I'd arranged to meet another peregrina um, before I got into the, the square. And uh, so we actually walked, we held hands and we walked in together, oh. uh, just the two of us. Both of us had had a, um, uh, a few a few troubles and just, just walk in together. It was it was quite quiet at that time in the morning, but, but I was glad about that. I, I, want, I wanted to have that, that peace, really. How can you explain that? It, just the joy 
and I wouldn't say relief because, of course, it's also very upsetting that it's over. Yeah. Um, I was so upset the next day. I, I couldn't believe that I wasn't waking up, smothering my feet with Vaseline, putting a pack, backpack on and heading off. It felt so strange to to think, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, um, so, so yeah, so it, it wasn't in a euphoric, an euphoric moment, but... It, it, I'd say it was tinged with sadness as well. The only thing that kept me going was knowing I'll go back. <laughs> and what about going to Mass in Santiago, having surprised yourself with your renewed, I suppose, spiritual presence in terms of going to Mass? What was that mm-hmm. Pilgrim's Mass like that day? Um, well, felt so humble, felt so so honoured, so lucky, just in awe of the whole experience, really. And yeah. I was very lucky as well, where I, I managed to, to get my seat, you know, um, I was quite quite near the front, so I, I could see the, 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 the full mass, I could see what was going on, because it's obviously very busy, so some people are, are right at the back, you know, but, um, yeah. but no, I, I just, I just, um, I just felt very privileged, really. My heart soared, um, I cried, <laughs> um, I, I am a weeper, <laughs> I cried. And I couldn't leave straight away either. I, I wanted just to absorb it, absorb it for a bit longer. So um, I, I remained seated for quite a while afterwards when other people were leaving. And, and of course, I managed to get through the holy door. <laughs> that was also wow. an incredible experience. And uh, another pilgrim, she, I, I photobombed her photograph. I didn't mean to. <laughs> she was um, taking a photograph of the holy door from the inside just as I was stepping in. And I, I touched the door and just, you know, just bowed my head, you know, and uh, to say thank you as I touched the door, just as she took the photograph. And she shared that with me. So that, that's, a very, that's a very special photograph to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's perfect timing. That's like, the, I know. isn't it? That's I like know. the universe saying, hang on a second, Amanda. <laughs> that's just <laughs> fantastic. Um, okay, so give me one word that you would use to sum up the experience. Camino. Oh gosh, one word. Yeah, <laughs> one word. Oh gosh, blessed. Hmm, <laughs> blessed. So, yeah, has that word now taken a greater presence in your life as a result of the Camino? It has, and no one is more surprised than me. Actually, <laughs> probably my friends at home. Probably my friends at home are more surprised. <laughs> And so, so did they see a change in you? Do you think? Uh, yes, they definitely said I. Um, I was. I seemed um, at, more at peace mm. with myself, and I was definitely more grounded as well. And and I, I aim to keep that. So, yeah. Um, but life throws so many things at us, and uh, and we learn to, we learn how to react and how not to react as we we get older. But but sometimes we can go off track a little bit as our life goes in so many different directions. I think that's why I like, well, it's an understatement. I think that's why I loved the communal life as well, the simplicity, the honesty of it as well. Everything is stripped bare, but it was such a safe place because, you, you know, all you had to do was just keep facing west, just keep heading west. That's all I concentrated on. And, of course, you haven't got that in, in real life. <laughs> You're going in all sorts of different directions, so... I just try and keep on to that, you know, when things are getting a bit hectic, just sort of calm myself and remember just to, just to focus in one direction, I guess. Wow. So, 
Wow, what a wonderful realization. Um, I, I just wanted to perhaps um, ask a couple of questions about logistics because there will be people listening to us um, thinking of walking and doing their research much like you and I did before we went. How heavy was your backpack? Uh, when I um, first started the Camino, and this was with a full water bladder as well, it was, I'd say, about 13 pounds. Right. I learned very quickly that um, if I started drinking the water, as soon as I took my first step, it would get lighter and lighter <laughs> with each step. <laughs> but I have to say that um, I still ditched a lot of things, um, especially when that, um, uh, I don't cope very well in the heat, again, being Scottish. So I was sometimes leaving at five in the morning to try and dodge the heat if I wanted to walk for about seven hours. And so I was finding that um, the first couple of weeks, my pack started to feel a bit heavier and heavier and heavier. So I did start ditching things. And then it got to the point where maybe I'd look at something and say, I haven't used that in 100 miles. I'm not going to use that again. So I'd say maybe my pack had then gone down to about maybe 10 pounds by the end. I'd lost a few pounds. Okay. So 10 pounds. Was there something you'd wished you had packed, but you didn't take with you? Yes, um, it's something very boring, but something very necessary. I'd planned to get waterproof trousers in Burgos because I thought that that was when the bad weather would probably start. And I actually got caught in a storm the morning I walked into Burgos. (laughs) (laughs) So again, it was about five in the morning and it was a torrential horizontal rain, pitch black. I was freezing. I was soaked to the skin, absolutely drenched. I looked like I'd been lifted up and thrown into the river. And I couldn't believe that my plan had been to buy to buy the trousers in Burgos. So, yes, I'd, I'd wished I'd, I'd brought them beforehand. So nothing very exciting, but definitely no. something practical. So I would say to prepare for all weathers, um, no matter what time of year, uh, from, from the very beginning. How far did you walk each day? Um, I had plans to do between about 25 to 30 30 odd kilometers um, initially. Um, but then that was my error because I was going too fast. I couldn't slow down. I just wouldn't slow down. So then when I got injured, the Camino taught me a lesson. It, it took care of me. It made me slow down. So then I was, because sometimes I was maybe like 33 kilometers. Um, so after I got injured, it could be anything between, say, 18 to maybe 28 kilometers. Oh. just depending on how I felt. So. Yeah. And what months did you walk when you were talking about it being very hot? I um, started on the 1st of September. So probably for <laughs> Spanish people, it probably wasn't that hot. But again, being Scottish, it was tropical. Um, so I, I had it in my mind that I wanted to walk the whole month of September into October. Uh, so for me, it was very hot until I'd say maybe mid-September, And then it started to get cooler in the mornings. So I could then leave maybe about seven in the morning because then it didn't start to get hot till maybe uh, after lunchtime. And by then I was near my destination anyway. So Yeah, yeah. And did you stay in albergues or pensions or hotels? I mostly stayed in albergues. A handful of times I stayed in uh, Poncians and then I think it was one night I had in a hotel that was, uh, I treated myself in Pamploma. <laughs> and uh, so I think there was about five nights I had my own room, but the rest of the time I was uh, in the albergues. But three of those nights I ended up sharing my room with strange women <laughs> because mm-hmm. 
people were struggling to find to find beds. Um, I, you know, I wasn't going to let anyone um, not have a bed or or get upset. So, so for three of those nights, I ended up sharing <laughs> with <laughs> with uh, other women, but that was fine. <laughs> it was bonding. That was my next question. <laughs> did you always get a bed? I did. I had already planned to book my first few nights anyway before I I arrived. And then I'd planned to just make it up as I went along. Then, of course, I got injured, so I didn't want to risk that. So I actually then started booking a night in advance, sometimes right. two nights in advance. Sure. So, so I was okay, but others weren't. Uh, and especially near, as we got to maybe like Samos, that area, it was getting busier and busier. So I think because a lot of the uh, albergues were still closed, maybe half capacity. And if you didn't mind maybe walking a wee bit further you could probably find a, a bed in the next village or town or some got in taxis and then then got a taxi back, you know, yeah, the next day. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, didn't, I didn't want to have to do that. So um, so I think uh, the uh, the ladies who I shared the beds with as well, they'd also had a full day walking and they, they couldn't bear walking any further. So I was, well, this, you could come and share a bed with me. I don't bite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you say, Amanda, to somebody thinking of doing the Camino? Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> and how do you describe it to people when they ask about it? How do you describe the Camino? I, I obviously say how how it affected me, how I how I am since I've come back. It's made me stronger in, in you know, mentally, physically. My soul is nourished. They can see that I I'm just just alive. I'm sparkling when I talk about the Camino. I think I've I've heard other people describing it this way. But I describe it as a life, a lifespan, a lifetime in that um, you're going to have some ups and downs, <laughs> literally. <laughs> sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes you're going to cry. Sometimes you're going to laugh. It's going to be like a family. You're going to have some members of the family you want to spend time with, some maybe not. <laughs> but you're all still there for each other because you're still family. It is. That's what it is. It, it's 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 a family and it's and it's an experience that... I would wish wish to anyone and everyone, try and go on your own, though. I think that you would get more out of it if you went on your own because it would allow you that that gift. The Camino gives you that gift of the headspace that I, I think would be very difficult to get elsewhere. And, and again, just to get to know yourself, to spend time with yourself. Hearing you talking about it and, and how much it's impacted your life just reminds me of how much... I miss it because we're still unable to leave Australia. We're still stuck here. Of yeah, and 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 I know that a lot of people from America and 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 other parts of Europe are arriving in Spain and, and having this wonderful time. And it really aches when you can't get there. You know, when you you it's impossible to get there. Um, but I I love having the opportunity to talk about it each week, and I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. But I want to ask a very simple question before I ask you to tell us a story. And that is, are you going back? Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I, I knew I was going back um, after my first day. I, I, I knew this was for me. And I had plans to get to the coast, but because of what happened, um, obviously I didn't. So uh, next year I'm planning to uh, uh, go to, back to Santiago, get to uh, Finisterre much year. But also... I was so lucky because I've been asked to volunteer in the hostel 
well, where I spent my first night in Saint Jean. Oh, I just um, just jumped at the chance. You know, I just feel very honoured that I've been asked to do that. So, and I can't wait to wow. um, to meet all the all these pilgrims who are about to embark on this this magical adventure. I've never been so excited at the thought of making beds. <laughs> <laughs> Which albergue? Porte Saint Jacques. It's on the route to the Citadel. Right. It's, it's quite a lovely story, actually. Obviously, met um, Andrew, the owner of the uh, albergue, uh, a lovely gentleman, and he'd mentioned that he's never done the Camino, but he was going to take some time off and start in Burgos because he really wanted to do the the Meseta. And he sort of threw away comment. He said, also, I might see you. And I was, oh, yes, uh uh-huh. Next day, set off. I have to admit, it did pop into my head a few times. I thought, I wonder if he's managed to set off okay, because he was, you know, about two weeks after us. And uh, and I thought, I wonder if I will see him because of that throwaway comment that he made. But then I went, don't be silly. You know, there are hundreds of us. So, like I said, I got injured, so um, I had to take some time off. I was uh, heading towards uh, Carrion de las Condes mm. and um, so many people were overtaking me and I was uh, hobbling on very slowly and I, every time someone walked past, I just turned my head, smiled and said, Buen Camino, Buen Camino, Buen Camino. And then it was Buen and I looked and there was Andrew. <laughs> oh, wow. And he just... He just looked at me for a second and it clicked who I was. And I went, I can't believe I bumped into you. And of course, he couldn't remember saying that to me. And I said, you said maybe I'll see you. And then here we are. So, and he was, he's a very spiritual man. And he was, don't question it. It's the Camino. <laughs> you don't question it. So uh, we, he walked with me that day. And of course, he could see I'd got injured. And, and I told him how I'd got the taxi back to the 20 kilometers so I could start again because it was important for me to do, you know, every step. Yeah. He said, well, usually I only ask people to volunteer if they've done the full Camino. He says, but already you've proven to me you're a true pilgrim. So if ever you would like to volunteer, um, I would love to have you at my my hostel. He didn't know that actually to volunteer at a hostel was actually on my bucket list. So so for him to say that, that was that was just so incredible, you know. So so we we hugged. I crux. I was crying. I was so so overwhelmed and just so happy. And uh, and so so yeah. So um, I'm going back next year to go and uh, uh, greet all the other, the new pilgrims and maybe some who've been before. So what a wonderful experience wonderful. that will be. Yeah, that'll be just such a blessing. And you'll be such a great hospitaler. You'll be just a delight, I'm sure. Tell us the Camino story. There were so many uh, to choose from, uh, but um, I, 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 had, I have to uh, tell this one. Um, like I said, uh, uh, quite a number were struggling for beds at times. I'd got to Samos and I'd heard that uh, a peregrina, a lady called Uta from Germany, who I had met previously and I had her number, I heard that, that she was very upset. She, she couldn't get a bed and she was just finding it very difficult. So I, I, I sent her a message and, and said, um, I can't remember exactly where she was, but I just said, um, can you walk 23 kilometers today? Because if you can, then you can come and share my bed because I, I have um, my own room tonight. You can come and share my bed. And uh, she says, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get there. So, <laughs> so hours later, I was uh, um, sat near the bridge at, at Samos. And yeah. 
And then I just saw her just uh, just coming down the hill and then over that bridge with this massive smile on her face. Um, it was just such a moment just to see, you know, um, just to see that she'd made it. So, so um, uh, you know, gave each other a hug and got into the room. And but, but then she just came, her mood just came down and she said, uh, she goes, today, today I, I lost my Camino. Um, she said, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, I'm, I'm too worried about getting a bed. Um, I, I just don't think I can do it. And I was, we've only got four, four more nights, you know, come on. I said, look, we'll, we'll sit together. We'll, we'll go through, we will go through, um, all the hostels. We'll get, we'll get you a bed. We'll book now and until the very end. So actually I think it was five nights. So it, it took us an hour and both of us on our phones, but, um, got her, got her a bed each night. Oh, the relief on her face, just to know in her own mind that that she she would be okay. And then she took out this card, and um, she said, "I picked this up at the last village. Um, it was a business card with a taxi number." She said, "I was I was going to phone the taxi from here to take me to the train station because I'd lost my Camino." And and I said, "You tear that card up right now." <laughs> <laughs> so she did right in front of me. She ripped up the card. And then she she just held me and she just said, uh, she goes, I've got my Camino back. Um, she called me her Camino angel, which was, was lovely. We, you know, it was beautiful. I was just so happy for her. And we said goodbye in the morning because obviously she wasn't going to wait for me because I, I was slow. She knew I was I was fine, but my pace was too slow. So, uh, so we said goodbye and um, we agreed to meet the night before we were getting into Santiago. So, um, so we did meet. She, uh, <laughs> um, we were just having a, a nice relaxing drink together before we were going to bed. And then uh, she just said just how much that had meant that she was able to, to get to the end of her Camino. She was so close to giving up. She was so glad she didn't. And that she had something she wanted to give me. And she had something in her hand. And she said that she'd got something near the beginning of the Camino. And um, she realizes that it's not really for her, but she thinks that that it would suit me and she wanted to give a gift, give me a gift. And uh, she opened up her hand and my jaw just dropped uh, when she opened her hand because there was this necklace of a, a bronzed metal uh, scallop shell on a brown leather cord. And I, I recognized it immediately because um, it was from the metal foundry near the yeah. wine fountain yeah, yeah. between Logroño and Los Arcos. And I'd actually, I, I didn't purchase one of them, but I'd seen a couple of uh, peregrinos wearing them. And I really regretted not getting one. And Uta didn't know, but I'd spent every time we went by any stall or anything, I was searching for something similar. And, and it wasn't until the very end of the Camino I'd given up. I thought, well, obviously it's not meant to be. It's obviously just in that one place, that metal foundry where they make it. And I was disappointed because I don't wear jewelry. Um, so to be so drawn to this, I, I really regretted no, not getting one. She opened her palm, and there it was. Um, oh. And then I just couldn't believe it. It was, it was again just one of those Camino moments. And uh, and I, I put it on, and um, and uh, I just told her, I, you know, she had no idea that um, I'd, I'd been searching for this. That was the one memento I wanted from the Camino. It was the one thing that I'd really wish that I'd got. And and there it was the night before we got to Santiago. So. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a moment. Oh, it was a <laughs> yeah. moment. All right. Gosh, that's fabulous. I've got tears in my eyes. That's just so <laughs> wonderful. Oh, 
Amanda, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us on the podcast. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's me in Sydney and you're on the north coast of Scotland. The world is an amazing place. Congratulations on the wonderful song. It's beautiful and inspiring and amazing. And so are you. Walk on, Pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. Buen Camino. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. Buen Camino. <laughs> My guest this week was the Scottish musician and pilgrim Amanda Chisholm. You can find the 40 Elephants Camino song by Googling the 40 Elephants Camino song. (laughs) And you can find the 40 Elephants on Facebook. Leopold Stokowski was an English conductor. He conducted the Disney classic Fantasia. And he said, a painter paints pictures on canvas, but musicians paint their pictures on silence. So true, isn't it? Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. <laughs>